Welcome everyone, my name is Peter Hackett. I am the Global Program Director for Cypher. In today's episode, we are going to discuss blue team operations and what happens after, during the initial moments following the detection of a cybersecurity incident. Also with me today is my colleague, Scott Krosky, who's the Global Chief Information Security Officer for Cypher. And we are also pleased to have with us the Director of Technology and the SOC Manager for our North America operations, Ricardo Encinosa. Ricardo comes to us today from Miami, Florida. Ricky, how are you today? Um, hey, Pete. Yeah, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks for the introduction. Thanks, Ricky. Uh, pleasure to have you. And before we begin, I want to highlight to our listeners that Cypher is pleased to have been listed for the month of July as being number 50 on the top 200 most popular podcasts by Chartable in the Brazil Tech Podcast category. We've hosted these podcasts now for about three months and look forward to continuing to climb the charts in not only Brazil, but in North America, EMEA, and the rest of the world. So with that said, let's set the stage for today's conversation. If our listeners have been in or associated with the world of information security, you've probably heard the terms red team and blue team before. And most recently, the term purple team has now been added to this lexicon. So last week, we spent time talking about some of our red team services, and we spoke with Sergio Alves on some tips from a penetration tester. And this week, we will focus on the other side of the equation, the blue teams, and what activities are associated with blue teaming. But first, let's get an understanding of exactly what these terms mean. Scott. Can you let our listeners know the difference between red, blue, and purple teams? Of course, Pete. So the red team and blue team terminology concept was first used in the United States Department of Defense, although the general concept had been used in history for decades. When it comes to exercising and improving the United States military's ability to fight an adversary, special focus was placed on training and testing specialized teams. Red teams are those groups that are focused on emulating adversarial activity. To give you more concept, uh, in the early 1970s, the United States Air Force began conducting exercises called Red Flag, uh, which are intended to offer realistic air combat training for military pilots and flight crew members. So during Red Flag, the Red Team Air Force uses uh, aircraft, tactics, and techniques of enemy nation states to test the capabilities of U.S. Air Force pilots. So the color red was selected because in the 1970s, the primary adversary of the United States was communism, hence the color red. Uh, the friendly forces in the United States were always denoted by the color blue. Uh, so following the establishment of Red Flag, the United States Air Force saw a dramatic increase in Air Force pilot capabilities against our adversaries. So in the 1990s, the same concept was adopted by the United States Department of Defense for information security operations. So InfoSec red teams were organized in order to emulate the tactics, techniques, and procedures used by many hacking groups and subsequently test the security network defenses of the United States, hence the blue team. Uh, so fast forward into the 21st century, uh, the private sector adopted the terminology to represent skills um, and services offered by cybersecurity companies. So as you indicated earlier, Pete, last week we dove into some of our red team services to include offensive security, ethical hacking, penetration tests, and application testing. So blue teams are those team members who focus on defending a computer network. Activities include operating defensive security tools, hardening computer network infrastructure, conducting incident response activities, doing threat hunting, uh, digital forensics, and overall damage control. Uh, these are the primary services in Cypher's managed security service, or MSS, uh, managed detection and response, MDR, and our cyber intelligence services. So Ricky is our SOC manager for North America and essentially leads the delivery of blue team services for North American customers. 
So I know his schedule is rather busy. And it's obviously great to have your uh, time here today, Ricky, to, to go through this uh, and talk about this, what you do with uh, for our customers. So um, before we get into the blue team ops, uh, though, I do want to spend one moment talking about the newer term that was adopted by the cybersecurity industry, uh, which is purple teams. So uh, as you can imagine, purple is a combination of red and blue. So purple teams are those groups that have blended uh, background in offensive and defensive cyber operations. So their goal is to work with blue teams to facilitate improvements in cyber incident detection, defenses, and sharpening the skills of both blue and red team members. So typically we see the utilization of purple teams for larger and more mature organizations. But when it comes to red and blue teams, uh, that's basically the summary of what those terms mean. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that, that overview. So let's turn now to diving into the blue team operations. So Ricky, as director of technology and the stock manager for North America, can you discuss some of your roles and responsibilities? Uh, sure. Uh, so Cypher being a full managed security service provider has many service lines, some of which you, my colleagues talked about here today. Uh, most of my responsibilities revolve around those service lines and helping our security operation centers deliver them efficiently and effectively. Um, to do that, I would do work closely with our clients to become a, a trusted security advisor to them to not only help them with what comes up in their day-to-day, -day, but also with the services that we're offering them. Great. So, Ricky, um, we'd like to now dive into a few real-world examples and talk about how Cypher triages cyber investigations and ultimately communicate and work with our customers through incident escalation reporting. And I'm sure your team sees a wide array of cyber incidents as you lead the delivery of our MSS and MDR services to our customers. So what are the typical tools that our team uses to deliver these services and, and how exactly do they, do they aid in the detection of cyber incidents? All right. Um, so Pretty much everyone nowadays has, nowadays has some type of a SIM solution uh, to bring in logs and alerts from different IT and security devices. Um, this provides visibility into their network, allows for correlation and alerting capability, and lets us query that data to be used for reporting, investigation, and audit purposes. Um, some of the log sources that we bring in include network devices like firewalls and web application firewalls, depending on the type of asset we're protecting. Um, operating system logs from both your Windows servers and your Linux, Linux servers, um, output of vulnerability scan data. We use the vulnerability scan data to correlate to, to companies' IPS and, and IDS tools uh, to see where they're, you know, uh, to, cor to correlate it together. Um, we do like to get closer to the asset itself. Um, a lot of the tools we do um, work around endpoint detection and response solutions. Um, and, um, being able to get closer to the asset not only allows us to see and utilize its detection and blocking capabilities, but EDR solutions allow us to gather forensic data about the asset and actually mitigate the threats on the assets themselves as they occur. Um, we, we use EDR solutions in almost all of our service lines. Um, those are a few examples. Um, it, you know, we use a lot of different tools and technologies in different ways throughout our service lines. It really, a lot of times, comes down to the tools that we have at disposal from the client and the service we're providing to them. Great. So I've also heard that we work with our customers to help harden their computer networks. What, what exactly does that mean? Um, so hardening in general is about understanding the business functions of an asset and creating a baseline around that asset to only to allow those functions. 
Um, and it, you know, it's one thing to create a baseline. It's another to ensure that it's being followed and, and it's correct throughout your organization. Um, it depends on, you know, the asset you're hardening. But we do recommend to use tools such as port scanners to make sure the uh, the ports you think are open are allowed and the other ones are closed. Uh, to use vulnerability scanners, scanners and asset discovery to see what's actually installed on the machines to ensure that only allowed software is being used. And then the other various pen testing tools to ensure that, devi that devices are actually following those hardening guidelines. And what are the best ways an organization can invest time and effort to greatly improve their cybersecurity maturity? Um, so I do, I do get this, uh, asked this question a lot, and um, there's not really, there's pretty much what's, what's the best bang for your buck, I guess. Um, and I always go back to the first two elements of the NIST cybersecurity framework, and those are identify and protect. Um, any solution that helps you understand your hardware and software asset inventory is definitely the first place to start. Um, whether that means starting small, depending on your, your maturity level, and running discovery scans just to see what you have on your network, or implementing a full full-fledged vulnerability and compliance management solution to identify and mitigate the risk as they come out. Um, what, once you figure out what's out there, um, you, now you have the ability to begin to protect it. Uh, we always recommend to get closer to the user and usually to the asset themselves. Um, I talked about implementing uh, an advanced endpoint detection and response solution. Uh, it gives you the most visibility to specific assets that you want to protect, whether that be uh, users, machines, or high priority servers. And also gives you control over them and the ability to grab forensic level detail um, in, uh, that you, you wouldn't be able to get just from regular logs. And, and what are some of the most common attack techniques that your team observes? Well, the most common tactic is driven around is around malware-based attacks, normally caused by a user, which is why I keep talking about the EDR solutions. Um, what I mean by it is somebody, you know, receiving an email, clicking on a malicious or a phishing email, um, downloading malicious files from websites they're not supposed to, or bringing maybe infected files from even a USB or downloaded through their own personal email that they're accessing from their browser. Um, clients spend a lot of time and money to contain, isolate, and remediate these types of incidents, whether it be just a simple uh, unwanted application on the machine to see who, what, who, what other machines have this uh, installed, or all the way to ransomware traversing their network or breach credentials. All this takes time to understand the exposure and what occurred and how to uh, isolate and mitigate the threats. Ricky, it seems that every, nearly every week, um, there's some major vulnerability identified in the news. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we kicked off the 2020 year with a major Citrix Netscaler vulnerability that your team had the triage. And I know that just last week, there was a major issue with F5 load balancers and yet another Citrix Netscaler vulnerability that affected some of our customers. So how do you triage significant vulnerabilities and work with our customers to ensure they know that our detection activities are state of the art? All right. So um, as with any vulnerability, the client pretty much wants to know the same things. They want to know how to detect it and how to mitigate it. They want to know if somebody's trying to exploit them and more importantly, if they've already been exploited. Um, so we work with their tools in order to do this. Um, in, in the case of the F5 load balancers, um, we use the combination of, of the client's SIM and their EDR solution to create content around the known indicators of compromise that we knew. So this gave us the ability 
to detect not only the network and endpoint communications from both their perimeter devices, their firewalls and things like that, but also their endpoint devices uh, to, to look at the C2 servers. And, and since we're, we're actually getting their operating system logs, we can go even one step further and on, on those devices see if they're, we're able to detect the commands and files that are associated with the actual exploitation of this vulnerability. What I mean by that, if somebody was able to exploit the one of the servers and log into the machine, we can see the commands are running, the files they're touching, and, and create alerts around the, the indicators of compromise that we know about this vulnerability. I, I've read that the initial minutes and hours following a cybersecurity incident are the most critical for an organization so that to prevent significant damage to a company's brand and reputation. So how do you work with customers to define incident reporting and escalation activities? Um, Cypher, Cypher is a trusted partner with, with our clients. We're just one part in the client's entire incident response process. Um, a, a good incident response process uh, outlines the roles and responsibilities of all the members. Um, what we do is we work with the client to help streamline the entire incident response process, um, not only for us, but their entire team uh, to ensure that they're effective, everybody knows their role throughout the entire process, and if they have to en enact that process, it, everything goes smooth. And when working with organizations during the incident response process, what are some of the keys to a successful outcome? So I talked a little bit about that already in the sense that everybody has to know their role. They have to know when, when an incident occurs, there's a lot of chaos, people calling each other, things occurring. You have to, everybody has to ensure they know their role, they follow the processes that are defined by their role, and that we communicate effectively and we understand where we are within that process. Um, understanding where we are, who needs to do what, and making sure everybody's on the same page of with, with communication throughout that entire incident is key to making sure that it, that it's quick and that we don't miss anything. So let's talk a little bit about blue team membership. As far as hiring members to join your team, what are some of the key attributes and experience you look for in an ideal candidate? <laughs> all right. So I guess for all those recruiters listening in the sense, um, what do I look for in a team and a team member? Um, we really, uh, when you talk about a team, you want to look at the, the team as a whole, not the individual members. Um, you want a balanced team, um, especially in security when there's so many different aspects from, from network security to coding, uh, anything that we, you need, a, you need a, a, a balanced team. So what I do is I take a look at my team, understand their skill sets, figure out where we have gaps, if we have any, and try to fill those accordingly. So that when different tasks and different uh, things occur within our customers, I know who I can count on to help uh, with a specific task, whether it be having to, like I mentioned, to, to write a script in order to block something, to create correlation rules, to assist with the, uh, the client with their network architecture, to make sure the flow of traffic, anything that comes up, we need to make sure that we have the skill set in order to handle it. And using that, using either our local teams or in our global presence in order to, uh, to accommodate the customer's needs. Ricky, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? So we talked a lot about uh, products today and you know what's the best bang for your buck for your cybersecurity and what to do. Um, what I recommend is before you go out and, and want to spend money on anything new, uh, take a step back and evaluate what you already have. Make sure that you're using all the tools that you purchased and you implemented effectively. You understand the use cases you're getting out of them. So then you can do a gap analysis to understand where you can improve. You don't want to just spend money to spend money to check boxes. You want to make sure that the, the, the boxes you check, you haven't checked already, and that you're closing the gaps to make sure that your security maturity continues to go up. Yeah, that's great advice, Ricky. 
Um, so both Scott and Ricky, thank you so much for your time today. This has been extremely informative and I look forward to our next podcast. And for any of our listeners who are interested in our services to include managed services, security services, managed detection and response and cyber intelligence services, please reach out to us via our marketing department, which can be reached at marketing at cypher.com.